Good morning. Good morning. Why don't we just pray? Father, Lord, you are so good. Jesus, you are so good. God, I pray this morning that we may have a revelation of you. God, a deep understanding, revelatory knowledge, knowledge of you, Jesus. You are worthy. You are holy. And God, we gather to set our gaze on you, to worship you, to honor you, and to glorify your beautiful name. Holy are you, Lord God Almighty. We love you. We honor you, Jesus. And in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. I want to share this morning, I, I want to be a little bit vulnerable because I think it will help explain what it is God's put on my heart. And I think that a lot of us are feeling this as well. Jess and I have had a very challenging week, one that has had us asking for direction and feeling directionless for the first time in a long time. And as we were praying, as we've been asking God to reveal more and more, I just felt that there was something taking place spiritually in this house and in this city and for a lot of places in this nation. And I know that that's been a theme over the last few months but as I began to ask God for direction and Jess and I have just been wading through some things that we'll talk about in the coming weeks just asking God where he wants us and what's our position and what our hands are to do I was asking the Lord what to preach this morning and I've been reading through Mark and something jumped out of Mark and grabbed me which I'll get to but as I was reading through that he revealed a sermon that I've preached before that I want to just go back and, and, and speak through because I think it speaks right to where we are at, where Jess and I are personally, where we are as leaders and where I think this house is. And it's, it's the story of Joshua as Joshua is handed the mantle of Moses, that Moses, Moses was called to lead the people, to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and through the desert. But he was given a promise that he would lead them to the, to the promised land. That God revealed that there was a place that he would allow him to stand his feet. And it was incredible that Sean brought that this morning. That, that the holy ground, the, the, the position of, of feet in, the, in the, the Old and New Testament is a prophetic sign of taking ground. That we, when we stand in a position, it's because we own that position. We take that ground. That's why when... when uh, Jesus says to Moses in, in the bush, take off your shoes for you are standing on holy ground. But the new covenant that we stand in is that we become that holy ground, that God made us in the Garden of Eden from the ground that he took, the holy ground that he made Eden with, he formed us from that. And in the new covenant in Jesus, he, he says that we become the temple, that we become the, holy, the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. A temple of God. I don't take my shoes off as some sort of sign to, to reveal that we're on holy ground while I'm preaching. I just don't like shoes. So it's less of a prophetic picture and more of a, a, a comfort. But 
what Sham was talking about is exactly what, what God says to Moses. And he says that I promise you all these things, Moses, but it will not be you that will take them into that place. At the end of Deuteronomy, he says, come and look at all that I've laid before you. Come and see all that I've put before you. But Moses, it will not be you that I will bring into this promised land. I have chosen another. And at the end of that, you can see that God commissions Joshua. He calls Joshua. And it says this, it says, Moses went up from the plains from Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite of Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead, as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the Western Sea, the Negev and the plain. That is the valley of Jericho, Jericho and a city of palm trees, as far as Zor. And the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, he died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. God called, God called a generation into a, a desert wasteland to come through into a promised land. But what God says to Moses is, Moses, it's not you that can take the people because you carry in you the, the, the memory of the land that was before, the memory of Egypt. See, the Israelites, when they were in the desert, they said, can we not go back to the land of Egypt? But God's heart was for them to go forward through the land of the giants into the promised land. What he needed was a generation who were looking forward, not a generation who were looking back. So in that transition from the, from the desert to the promised land, he allows a generation to pass so that a fresh new generation could take over. A generation that had their eyes set on the things of Lord, their eyes set on the glory that was to come, not on the things that had come before them. God transitioned a people out of one place into another. That's why the New Testament says that we cannot, those who look back aren't able to hold a plowshare because where we've been is not where we're going. Where we've been is not where we're going. God is calling a people into something more. But the thing is, is that the old has to die so that the new can take place. Does that make sense? The old generation is not speaking about people. It's speaking about a mindset or something that's in our heart, a position of the heart that says, I want to stay in the old because the new is frightening. What tends to happen is we become comfortable in the old and we want to stay in the old because we know our captor there. We know what's there. But God is saying, as a people, I'm calling you into more. Moses, it's not you that I'll give the land. I'm going to give the land to Joshua. God says to Joshua in Joshua 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to you. He continues on in, in 5 and 6. He says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of their life. Just as I was with Moses, Joshua, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give to them. Right there, when Joshua is called and he says, Moses is dead, he says, Joshua, remember these two things. Be strong and be courageous, for I will be with you. 
when God calls Joshua into the promised land, knowing all the battles he was going to have to face, he tells him two things, be strong, be courageous. Why? Because the battle that you have before you will be difficult. It will be challenging. There will be adversaries like you've never seen before. There will be battles that even your forefathers have not seen. But I promise I'm always with you. But be strong and courageous, Joshua. This whole time, Joshua has served Moses, has seen what had laid before him. And now he stands before the death of Moses and a promise that God had given to Abraham and had been passed down. He now holds this mantle that seems way too large to carry. And God says, Joshua, be strong, be courageous. I'm coming with you. The interesting thing about this is that Moses had taken the people to a valley and, he, and when, when Joshua takes over from Moses, when he's given the mantle from, from God, of the, the Moses that was given to mantle, he's in a valley and the valley is called the Valley of Shittim. Now, yes, that's exactly what I thought when I read it because we all know that valley all too well. Who's, who's been in the Valley of Shittim once or twice? Eh? Residents of the Valley of Shittim sometimes. Okay, can I get an amen? Eh? I know it well. I know the address well. Moses is given the promise of the Israelites, the promised land in the valley of Shittim. He's told that he will be called into a nation, into a people. Cross the Jordan, Joshua. Cross the Jordan and I will give you the promised land. I can't help but wonder, Joshua sitting around going, Lord, really? This people... In this land, you want me to get the people up in the, in the valley of Shittim? You want me to stand them up and pat them on the back? It's all going to be okay. Where are we going? Over there. But there's giants over there. Yeah, but we've got to be strong and courageous. Come on, people. See, what happens is the Israelites and many of them stayed on one side of the Jordan, but we get comfortable in the valley of Shittim because we like to think about ourselves as Poor old me is never going to get out of this place. So I may as well get comfortable because I'm going to be here for a while. But God chose, chose Joshua to take the people beyond their own squalor, to take them out of the place and come in to the promised land. But what happens for many of us and for many Christians is we never, ever, ever leave the valley of Shittim because the giants are too big. Or the water is too rapid. And we stay in our mess. And I know there's, there's many, many guys here this morning who aren't here this morning who are in this very valley. And they are looking for a way out. They are crying for a way out. God, come and rescue me from the valley. And God leans down and he whispers and he says, I'm always with you. Be strong and courageous. See, in the valley of Shittim, Joshua's are made. In that place, in the place of pain and suffering, God says, come, no man shall be, shall be able to stand before you, but Joshua, I need you to arise and come with me. But we get to this place where it's like, no, Lord, just take me out of here. I don't want to walk through the pain and the suffering. I just want to be zapped into the next place, the promised land, where it's more comfortable than it is here. I'm fat one day. I want to be skinny the next 
But God says, there's a journey for you to walk with me. There is a place that I need you to go. There is a destination that I have for you, but there is a walk that we need to take together. But I promise no man shall overcome you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, community, Tim's fan, just as I was with Moses, I was with you. I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. I know the valley is smelly and awful and terrible and frightening and unfair and painful. And I know that there's no justice in the place. There's only pain and torment. But I promise you, I am with you and I will not forsake you. I have a way out, but I need you to walk with me. I have a promise that I gave to you a long time ago, but I need you to walk with me. See, it's in that moment of courage, it's in that moment of no fear that God says, I will come with you. I will come with you. No man shall stand before you. I can just imagine as Joshua sends the spies out to go into the land, that they came back and there was no joy or optimism at all. There's giants out there. It's going to be tough. There is a land out there that we have not understood. There is pain and suffering much worse than what you see here in Shittim. Yeah, but did you see the land of milk and honey? Yeah, I saw it. And it was good, but there's a long way to go. When I look around this nation, when I look around the church and, and what God is doing in the church, There is a beauty that lies before us. I, was, I met with a, a leader during the week, a big leader in the city, and he said to me, man, the, the church is hurting. Church is in trouble at the moment. And I said, I know, there are so many giants, but there is a land through there. There is a land through there that we can see that God promised our forefathers. God has called this nation. He has called this city. There is a promise that has been laid out. That, that promise that we hear from Smith Wigglesworth, rather, that we hear over and over and over and over and over again, that promise is not gone. This land being the great south land of the Holy Spirit has not finished. It has not been fulfilled. God has not accomplished that promise, but he is waiting for the Joshua. He is waiting for those who are sitting in the midst of Shittim to say, I will go. God, I will go. I will be strong and courageous. I will stand in the midst of the giants and I will call your kingdom and your will. Lord, send me. Use me. And sometimes, like this week, for Jess and I, it feels like it doesn't make any sense. It feels like there's adversary after adversary. It feels like there's no time to sit down and to put your feet up. It feels like, God, the wars of Shittim are closing in and I cannot get out of this valley. But God whispers, be strong and courageous. I will not leave you. I have called you. I wasn't going to say this, it was a joke this morning, but I really feel that it is. I was driving and I was listening to a, an old band that I, I loved as a kid growing up, P.O.D. And one of the songs was that we were playing it this morning is that yeah, they sing, we're a youth of the nation. And I remember as a kid, we used to sing that song all the time, we're the youth of a nation. 
with the youth of a nation. And as I was driving yesterday, just listening to it, it occurred to me that God has called me and many of you, if not all of you, to be in this time at this place. That you become, you can call yourself the youth if you'd like, the youth of the nation for a time like this. But the problem is, is what happens, and we love that verse in Esther that I was called for such a time as this. But the problem is, is that even Esther, when, when Mordecai puts that to her, she still has a job to do. She still has a task to achieve. She still has a step to take. She still has something that she has to go. She has to go before Pharaoh. She has to ask and she has to plead on, on, on the people's behalf. When God calls you, when he puts your feet on the ground, like Sean was speaking of this morning, when he calls you, he calls you to be strong and courageous. There's a quote that I, 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 I love and it highlights this next verse that I, I want to speak through in Mark. It's from Jordan Peterson, but he says, As you attempt to climb a higher mountain or aim at a higher target, the things around you become increasingly dramatic and of import. That happens by necessity because if you're aiming and working hard at something difficult and profound, your life is going to become increasingly difficult and profound. In layman's terms, he's saying, what's more important the task, the more difficult the obstacles will be. When there's something worth fighting for, the adversary tends to be quite large. When it's something worth fighting for, the adversary tends to be quite large. We have to understand that as we go to push back this city, this nation, as we have, there is going to be pushback against us. But that's when God says, my, my sons, my daughters, dig deep, be strong and courageous. In your life, if you, if you are starting to, to bring yourself before God, okay, I'm going to build my family around you. I'm going to, I'm going to position myself before you. You find it incredibly hilarious that right then something goes wrong. Right then something steals your attention. Right then something takes away because the enemy knows the danger by which you are unlocked when you bring yourself before him. When we stand in this hall and say we're coming after that city, even though we are small, God, we are coming after the Gold Coast. And the enemy can see that I don't mean that lightly. I mean that with all that's inside of me. So right away, there is a pushback because that's the way that it works. There is no gold without the dragon. There is no whichever fancy story you want to put in there. We have to understand that every single time we come up into something worth fighting for, there is an adversary. There's no mountaintop without the climb. There's no six-pack without the early mornings. There's no success without the failures. I've tried the six-pack without early mornings. It does not work. When we see our task before us, whatever this is, guys, this is, is not just for us as a house. This is to understand that when God has called us into a position, he has called us to fight. For all of those of us who are married, you understand that marriage is not a walk in the park. Why? Because it's worth having. So it's worth fighting for. 
It is a fight. It is a wrestle because there's gold in it. Our, our, our relationship and our walk with God is worth having because there's gold in it. If you've got a Bible, jump with me to Mark 10. Matthew, Mark, number 10. When God called Joshua, he didn't wait for Joshua to be in a healthy place. He didn't wait for the people of Israel to understand the call of the mission. He didn't wait until they moved out of the valley of Shittim. He didn't wait. He knew right in the midst that he was going to call Joshua in the midst of the adversary, in the midst of the goal being too big, of the the weight being too heavy to carry. He knew right there, Joshua, we don't have time for you to tell me you're not good enough or this enough or that enough. You're the one I've chosen. I've called you and I've trained you. And you're going to bring the people out of the mess they're in, through the lands of the giants and into the promise that I've given them so long ago. God was calling him. He was calling him and positioning him to a place where he says, I have so much more for you and the people, but I need you to come with me as we walk through this position. As we walk through this place, I'm going to bring you into much more. Mark chapter 10 down to verse 23. Jesus, just after he's spoken to the rich young ruler, and I wish I had time to to go into the rich young ruler and and what I think God's revealed to me in that is, is phenomenal and, and, and how exciting that is. But I, I want to paint a different picture. The rich young ruler has just asked Jesus, I've done all these things, can I be saved? And, and Jesus says, no, you, you must go first and give over all that you own and then come back and, and, and you can follow me. And it's interesting that, that he positions it like this. And then the, the, the disciples, they ask such an interesting question. But before they ask that, Jesus says, he says this, 23 to 28. Jesus looks around and he says to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and he said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. I love that Peter's like, Lord, see this? I left everything. We went like the rich young ruler. We did it. We left everything. But Jesus explaining to them right there, I need you to understand the difficulty of the journey you have before you. However, understand the reward in which I will give you when you come through it. Jesus wasn't saying to them, it's real easy, guys. It's a walk in the park. He's saying this is going to be difficult for you to enter in and operate through my kingdom. He's saying there is a journey for us to walk. It is going to be so difficult, but I promise the result is going to be beautiful. He continues on in 29. He says this, Jesus said, truly, I say to you, truly, hear me. This is the truth of what I'm revealing to you, disciples. 
I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or lands for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Jesus is reminding the disciples, when you give me everything, when you lay down everything, all that you have, your family, your job, your finances, your good ideas, all that you have, when you lay it down, I promise you that none of you will miss having brothers, sisters, houses, land, mothers, fathers, children, for my sake. You will not miss out on these things, but I give it to you. You don't take it. Can you see the picture he's painting here? I will release the things to you. I will give you the things of my kingdom. I will give you the fruits of all that I have, but I give it to you. You do not take it. But it's interesting here, it says this. It says uh, there in 30, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Jesus is saying it's not to come. The hundredfold that you will receive is not to come. It is right now. That right now we can pull on heaven. We can, we can stand in a position to pull on God for a hundredfold when we lay down all that we have and we allow Him to do it His way. He gives us in a hundredfold. So we all start getting a bit excited because there here comes the, the big house and the red Ferrari. But in the list here, it's really interesting and this jumped out and hit me very hard when I was reading it. It says... They will receive a hundredfold now in this time. So right now, a hundredfold. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands. But then the last little bit that he, he tags on the end there is persecutions. He includes that in the hundredfold return. He includes persecutions in the hundredfold return. So we can't say, Lord, give us the house and the money and the family and the friends all a hundredfold. But the persecutions, you can keep at 2%. Keep it twofold. I'll take the rest at 100, give me that at a hundredfold. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I will give you all a hundredfold increase when you do it my way and you let me rule and reign. But let me just add in there, I promise you, in that hundredfold will be persecutions. Why? Because the persecution, the walk through fire, is the refining nature that brings us closer to the Father. It's the refining nature that burns off the nonsense and allows the gold to remain. It's the refining fire, the hundredfold persecution, that brings us closer into the heart of the Father. A hundredfold. We can't ask for a hundredfold increase and not receive a hundredfold persecution. But he also says at the end there, he says, in the age to come, there will be eternal life. Many who are first will be last and the last first. So sometimes we stand in this place and we ask God, why? Lord, why? Why am I here? Why do I face this giant? Why am I standing before this mess? God, what are you doing with me in this? Where are you, Lord? 
And God says, it's a part of my increase. It's a part of my increase. Now, the wrestle then comes, well, does God cause my pain and my suffering? No, but he walks us through it to allow us to come in to the fullness of the increase. Without resistance, there is no gain. To use a gym analogy, without the weight, the muscle doesn't grow. Without actually having pushback, without actually having an adversary, it all comes too easy and we all become ungrateful teenagers that go into the lair and just take all the gold. The dragon is there to make the gold worthwhile. The pain and suffering, the huffing and puffing on the mountain climb makes the view all that much better. In the adversary, in the push against what God is doing, he's saying, this is my place for increase. There's something coming against you because on the other side of it is the hundredfold increase. On the other side is the hundredfold increase. But if you focus on the problem and you fail to see what God's going to do in the solution, you miss the call and you stay in Shittim. You stay in the place that Joshua was called out of. But God, there's giants out there. Yeah, but the land is filled with milk and honey. Yeah, but God, the giants is too big. Yeah, but the land is even bigger. But God, we'll lose all these people. Yeah, but the land I've promised you will bring so much more. The adversary, the push against, strengthens us and brings us into the increase. Before I finish, I want to tell you two stories. Analogies even. They're both boating analogies because the Bible likes to use boating analogies, so I figure we can use boating analogies too. The first one is this. There was an old Spanish military leader named Hernan Cortez, and he led an army into what is now Mexico to fight against the Barabic barbaric nature of the Aztecs who were stealing the the people and they were sacrificing them to other gods. So he decided he's going to sail across the Atlantic into the Gulf of Mexico, land on the beaches and push as many people up in to the Aztec land as he could and take as much ground and land as he could. So he rallied a massive army. They sailed across the Atlantic and they landed on the beaches And he turned around and the first thing he ordered his troops were to do was to take fire and to burn their boats. Some sources say that they sunk them, but burning to me sounds more exciting. So I like the burning side of it. But he took fire and they burnt the boats. They burnt all of their ships. And when one of the commanders said, the people are anxious, why are we burning the boats? He said, because I don't want them to look back and see home. The only way they can get home is through the problem. We will get home when we sack the Aztecs and we take their land. Then we can go home. We'll build boats from their land. What he was doing was he was removing any attempt to run backwards. He was moving any ability to go backwards because he said, what's forward is where I'll bring you into the hundred, the, the, the hundredfold increase. Does anyone know why a kangaroo and an emu is on the Australian coat of arms? Damon. Oh, he's put his hand on like a school teacher. I like it. Yes, Mr. Burton? They don't walk backwards. They don't walk backwards. It was a picture to reveal that this nation would only be a nation that would walk forwards. The reason this nation is struggling 
is because there's an adversary that when we push through the adversary, we will receive the promised land that God has laid before us. If we want to see the promise of the great south land of the Holy Spirit, you know what we need to do? Burn the boats and walk forward. We can't go backwards anymore. We can't go back to what it used to be, to what it used to look like. Would this used to be that and this used to be that? God's saying, no, come forward. There is no turning back. There is no going back. We will not go back to normal. Churches will not go back to normal. And if they do, in my opinion, and my thought through the way this looks, is I go, why didn't you go forward? Why did you get back in your boat and go home? Why didn't you come and sack the land of the Aztecs? Joshua, why did you take the people from Shittim back to Egypt? I had, a, I had a better chance forward for you. My last boating analogy is this, before I finish. When there's a sea, when there's a sea, when there's a storm in the sea, rather, when there's a big storm that arises, boat captains or, or yeah, boat captains, I guess, sea captains, Scurvy sea captains, skippers. What they will do is that they will see the storm coming. And if their boat is docked in a particular place, rather than risk being smashed and torn apart in the, in the dock that they're in, they will rise their anchor and they will head their boat toward the storm. And when they get close enough to the storm, they'll drop an anchor. They'll put the, the, the bow of their boat or the front of their boat facing right toward where the storm is coming and they will drop the anchor and all the crew put their faith in the anchor. Because if they can hold in the anchor, if they can hold in the storm toward the, toward the storm and the anchor doesn't give way, the boat won't get broken. What we like to do is gather around as many others and try and seek for help, hope for the best. And what happens when a storm comes is we smash into each other. We cause havoc. We, we tear each other apart. But what God is saying, I believe in this, in this analogy, is come toward the storm. Put your faith in me and hold tight. Don't go backwards. Go toward it. Fight the adversary on God's terms. Listen to the voice. Be strong and courageous as God had told Joshua. And come toward what is, what is happening. Come toward the wrestle. Come toward the fight. As a people, I want to encourage us. This is for, for Jess and I as well. This, this message is, is as challenging for me. Is will you get up out of Shittim? Will you trust me? Will you be strong and courageous? Will you be a Joshua in a generation and a time where there seems to be so little? Will you arise like the nation was called to do and walk forward? Come toward the adversary. Will you burn the boats and not look back? Not, not think of what has been, not wallow in what has been. Deal with those issues, but not hold to those things. We're not running from what's behind us. We're dealing with it and we're saying, now that's behind us, God is taking me here. Where we have been is not where we're going. God is leading us, His people, not just in community. In Genesis, in victory. 
that house, that oasis, that chapel, the hillsong. He is calling a people. He doesn't care for the name on your building. He cares for what's in your heart. He cares for the position by which you will say, God, I will go. I will be strong and courageous. I'm scared out of my boots to fight the giants, but I trust you. I will be strong and courageous. That's all I've got to say about that. Let's stand. I want to pray. And I want to ask you, Kirsten, Um, this is what I heard the Lord say this morning during worship. Who will go? Will you go? He was pretty much talking exactly what um, Ben was talking about. I will send you out. And I felt like there's this fresh call to, to complete surrender because we need to be surrendered to the Lord and we need to live in him and we need him to be purifying us and working on us so we can go forward, so we can do that next step forward and we can go where he sends us. And there's this fresh call to step out and follow. And I sense, I'll just read what I wrote down. And I sense the Lord is waiting at the starting line. I feel felt like he's waiting to release his presence and power in a new way. He's, and he's asking, will you go? Will you step out again? Will you let me stretch you? in new ways. It's not going to be comfortable. It's a completely, it's a hundred percent yes. And then there was a sense that in the midst of this, I think that's where this valley comes in. In the midst of this, we need to focus on the light. We need to look to the light. We need to trust the light. Don't look to fear. Don't look to the world. Don't look to the circumstances you're in, but look to the Lord because he's doing a new thing. And he's asking, I felt like he was asking, who will go? Will you go? Will you go? Will you go? Why don't you just close your eyes? If there's something, if you can feel God stirring something in you, I want you to, I want you to come to the front. I want you to start that stepping out now. Just come and stand at the front. There's nothing special about it other than the fact that you are saying, God, I feel the challenge you're laying before me and I want to respond. Just come. Come and stand to say, Lord, I haven't been. I haven't been stepping into this place, Lord, and that changes today. That changes today, God. I will not sit when you've asked me to stand. I will not be silent when you've asked me to cry out, God. right now as you're standing there you know 
what God's putting in your heart. I'm going to pray in a minute. And because of what God has laid on us, Jess and I as elders, in the authority that he's, that he's given us, we're going to commission you to go. But right now, you know what is on your heart. You know what God is saying. So why don't you just do business with him right now? Sometimes that means for us to repent for our inactivity, to repent for our, our selfish desires, to stand as, on, our, on our own positions, to repent for the places we've been and to ask God to, to set us on fire again. Why don't you do that now? Father, right now, Lord, as, as hearts are being stirred, Lord, as a people, we do, Father, we repent. Lord, I repent for my inactivity. God, I repent for the times where I've been too tired, for the times where I've wanted it done my way, for the times, Lord, where you've asked me to go and I've said no. And Lord, right now, as we stand as a people hungry for more of you, hungry to see your kingdom come, to see your will be done. Lord, I pray for everyone, Father, that's, that's here this morning, for every person who's put their heart forward to say, me, I want more. I want to go where God's asking me to go. I'm tired of being in the valley. I'm tired of not being who you've called me to be. God, we break that off right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I break off the spirit of tiredness, of laziness, of lethargy, Father, right now in your name, Jesus. We just command your wholeness. And Lord, we, we declare... Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Lord, I just pray right now that as... as as old dreams and visions have been laid a waste, as old prophetic words have been laid a waste, that they come to life now in your name, that those things that have been passed away, those things that have been forgotten or left behind, right now, Jesus, in your name, will be brought back to memory, will be brought back to our understanding. May those dreams and those visions that have been put on the shelf, may the dust be blown off and may they be set back in our hearts to blaze again. May there be a fresh understanding, a fresh anointing on some of those calls, some of those visions, some of those things that have been laid in us that have not come to, to life, some of those things that have not come to pass. God, I pray right now for the giant slayers in this room, for the things that you have laid before us, God. May the enemy no longer be able to keep them out of sight and out of mind. May they be laid before us to be carried and to be stewarded, Lord. 
give us courage and strength to see the things that you are doing and to operate in those things, Lord. Do not fear the fire, do not fear the waters, do not fear the thunder, for Jesus has conquered them all. Do not fear the darkness, do not fear the sadness, and do not fear the sickness, for Jesus has conquered them all. Do not fear the enemy, and do not fear the poverty, do not fear eternity, for Jesus has conquered them all. Be strong and courageous, the Lord of the ages. He holds all his little ones safe by his side. I don't know if you know this song, but it reminds me of when I was a child. It goes a little like this. Be strong and courageous, the Lord of the ages. Holds all his little ones safe by his side. Be strong and courageous, the Lord of the ages. Holds all his little ones safe by his side. I wonder if we could sing this all together. Ready? Be strong and courageous. The Lord of the ages holds all his little ones safe by his side. Be strong and courageous. The Lord of the ages holds all his little ones safe by his side. Yahweh is your name. God, not as one person this morning, but as a community of people, we have chosen to take a step forward into what it is that you're calling. God, I thank you. I thank you for the brothers and sisters that we have right beside us right now, and I thank you for the ones that you're bringing in. Father, I pray that being strong and courageous is something that we breathed in this morning, Lord, and is embedded in our bones and in our blood. God, that we would be people that as we walk out of this building, it is not a feeling that we have right now. It is not just a moment. But God, it is you that remains in us. And we choose you this morning. We choose you, Jesus. God, as we leave this place, Lord, I, I pray that this stay in the center of our heart, that our minds be focused on the things that you are doing here this morning. Lord, let this not be a fleeting moment. God, let us not return to our spheres, return to our world and go on business as usual. Lord, I pray, I pray God, that this has excited a fire in our stomach once again. That has reignited the things that have always been there. Lord, the call that has always been there for leaders. Father, in our own right, God, we thank you for who you are. 
we love you. We honor you, Jesus. We declare your kingship in this city and we declare your kingship in this nation. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God. And this morning, Jesus, we say yes. Lord, we will go. We will be strong and courageous and we will stand in the place that you've asked us to stand. We love you and we honor you. And in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, I just want, particularly you guys who came forward, I just feel like there's something, don't let this pass. Don't let this pass. If that means going and and finding old prophetic words that were spoken over you, old dreams that you've had, visions that you've had, ministry calls that you've forgotten, ministry assignments that God has given you that you've forgotten, go and revisit that. Ask God, if those things haven't come to pass, ask God, is there more in this? What is this? God, is is this the time for that? Is this the Joshua moment you've given to me? Go and revisit those things. Write them on your your mirror. Write them in the front of your Bible. Ask God day in, day out, Lord, why has this never happened? You called me so long ago to children, to, to, to women, to the lost, to train, to equip. You called me to these things, Lord, and I'm now 15, 5, 10, 20 years holding this passion, holding this vision, God. Show me how I step forward into this. Go and do that. Don't let this be a moment. Don't let this be a nice Sunday morning experience. Don't let this be something that just made you feel good and tomorrow we go back to, to facing the giant or to, to, sw- to, to swandering our time in Shittim. Take the steps. Pray, ask God to reveal more. Is that okay?